Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Picked off by the Colts. Kenny Moore, 30, 20, down the near sideline. They hand off to Taylor, right up the gut, and he's in there. Touchdown! We're talking Colts and recapping the action. He's got it! Here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Hey, good evening. Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live tonight, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor with you tonight, and the Colts suffered another heartbreaking loss on Monday night football last night, falling to the Steelers 24-17 as the Colts dropped down to 4-7-1 on the season after 12 games. Indianapolis has now lost five of the last six. They're now 4-4-1 four, four, and one on the season in one-score games. The Colts got off to a very slow start last night for the second time this season. They had no yards on offense in the first quarter, and the Colts had five drives in the first half and managed just 22 plays. The Colts didn't pick up their first first down until halfway through the second quarter, and the Steelers outgained the Colts 232-71 to in the first half, and they possessed the ball for nearly 22 of the game's first 30 minutes. And Pittsburgh was able to get points on four of its first five first-half drives, giving itself a 16-3 cushion at the break. The third quarter was a different story, though, for the Colts. On the opening kickoff of the second half, rookie Dallas Flowers returned the kick 89 yards inside the Steelers' red zone, which set up the Colts' first touchdown of the game. In that period, the Colts outgained the Steelers 146-17, to had over 12 minutes of time of possession, and outscored Pittsburgh 14 to nothing, and actually took the lead 17-16 heading into the fourth quarter. The Steelers' offense went three and out twice on their only drives of the third period, and rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett didn't complete a pass in the quarter. The fourth quarter, though, belonged to the Steelers. They took the lead under 10 minutes to play with a touchdown and a two-point conversion to go up 24-17. The two teams would battle field position until the Colts got the ball down by seven with just under four minutes to play. They took over on their own seven-yard line and went 67 yards before a missed fourth down at the Steelers' 26-yard line into the Colts' hopes. The Colts turned it over two more times on Monday as they continued to lead the NFL in turnovers on offense with 21 now, and they had other missed chances. They had a blocked field goal attempt at the end of the first half, and they finished just 3-for-12 on third down. The defense couldn't slow down the Steelers' ground game consistently on the night. Pittsburgh racked up 172 rushing yards despite their leading back Najee Harris leaving the game early with an injury. Some other bright spots for the game for the Colts. Rookie tight end Jelani Woods eclipsed his season totals with eight catches for 98 yards. Jonathan Taylor ran for 86 on 20 carries, found the end zone for the third consecutive game. Right tackle Braden Smith neutralized T.J. Watt for much of the night, and Unique Ngakwe accounted for two of the Colts' three sacks. The Colts are now on the road in three of their next four games, playing four teams all currently in the playoffs. Up next, a Sunday night game against the Cowboys before their bye in week number 14. We're loaded up with Colts content and conversation all night long here on Colts Roundtable Live. Starting on the next segment, Colts analysts Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, they'll join me to break down the setback to the Steelers. And we're also taking your Twitter questions tonight with Rick and Joe and with interim head coach Jeff Saturday here momentarily. You can tweet in your questions tonight using hashtag Colts Roundtable, and we'll try to squeeze in as many of those as we can tonight. Again, as promised, Jeff Saturday, interim head coach of the Colts, joins us now, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. 
Jeff, certainly another tough loss for the Colts on Monday night. What did the game boil down to against the Steelers? Some areas that proved to be the difference in this game. Yeah, I mean, it goes back, right? We uh, Execution and turnovers. Um, and, and again, man, when you – when you look at it, we get the ball down to the one-yard line, turn it over. We turn it over early. Our defense held, but kept him on the field entirely too long in the first half. Got started slow. Um, really, in both phases, you know, they gave a field goal early, but it was a long drive. And so, just to, you know, I didn't feel like we got really our footing until middle of the second quarter. And uh, tough to kind of overcome that. You felt like we gave ourselves a shot at the end. And then, um, I don't love, you know, looking back, I, I didn't love my third down uh, probably, probably looking back, I wish I would have burned a turn, a timeout right there. You know, mm-hmm. I, um, just as I looked at it, you know, the Matt makes a good run to get up. He's short. Um, you know, we had a play called, I had told parks, you know, be ready. He was ready. He dialed and he had a play called. So my expectation was, man, this thing's going to pop off really quick. There won't be any substitutions. We'll, you know, we'll get a run up in there for three yards, get a first down and our timeouts are good. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the, the switch, you know, the receivers, the formation and personnel group were in the receivers were switching sides of the field. And, uh, it just, it, and, and again, I felt it at the moment, but I never felt pressed. But looking back, when you go back and look at yourself, man, I got to—I have to know the moment better, and that's on me. And so, um, you know, that's what I'll tell the—that's uh, what I tell the guys and everybody. Man, we're—we're we, we're all in this together. We all have roles to play. Nobody's perfect. People make mistakes, uh, and that's on me. And and I'll be better in the future and learn from it. No, no different than I asked them uh, to be accountable and learn from their mistakes. So, uh, but a little frustrated with myself and and disappointed, man. I mean, these guys work so freaking hard, man. I mean, I just you know the practices, the process. We are moving in the right direction. You just so want the results to show up for your fans and for your organization. Uh, and that we were not meeting the standard that I want to meet. Uh, it's just disappointing. Yeah, if you go back to the, the start of the game, I mean, certainly uh, in totality the game was a tale of two halves. But in that first half, Jeff, what went into the slow start on offense, right? Only 71 yards of offense in the first half. What kind of contributed to that that slow start? Well, I think, I mean, we turn it over early, right? I mean, it, which always hurts, right? Because now they're playing keep away. They had the ball first, the first possession, and I think they ate seven, maybe seven minutes or six or seven minutes off the clock to get, kick a field goal, and then we turn it over right inside. Um, and, and so when you go two or three play drive, give the ball back to them, mm-hmm. um, now, now you're pressing, right? Because as an offense, you, you're, you feel out of phase. You have literally five plays the first quarter and your head spinning you know and so um again on the three and out that came right after the turnover I felt like they did a good job disguising coverage but there's plays to be made that we didn't make um and, and again, it's it's about sustaining drives. It's about converting on third and shorts and third and mediums. Right, you, you have to be a team uh, that can do those things. And when you don't, now that now that their offense comes back on the field and they hold the ball again, and so you 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 put yourself more into a press phase. Uh, and so again, I don't think you put your hand on one thing. It was a multitude of sins that you know kind of kept us in that in that um, you know that area of not moving the football. And again, I. Really, until about midway through the second quarter, I felt like, 
man, we, you know, they, we're just not meeting the expectation and standard that we need to meet. But once we did, you saw we're moving the ball, and mm-hmm. um, and then obviously the turnovers. Yeah. You, you know, it's tough to overcome in the NFL. And last one for me, then on the other side of the coin, what kind of turn it around there in the second half? You got the big 89-yard kickoff return, opening kickoff by Dallas Flowers there in the third quarter. I know things got a little bit spirited there in the locker room at halftime. Yeah. What allowed you to get back into the game, especially in the third? Well, I think, you know, first of all, I, I just challenged the guys when we walked in about, hey, this, you know, you're going to learn a lot about who you are right now. I mean, you're on Monday Night Football. You're the only show in town. And, and, you know, these are these are legacies that you leave and film that's on, you know, that everybody else is watching. Um, but then Zaire gets up, man, and I thought he gave an, an impassioned speech about, you know, what this looks like, what everybody's role needs to be, and and uh, got the guys going and, and, and really fired up. And then, man, you know, players make plays. And, you know, Dallas with the with the return, mm-hmm. I mean, what a what, there's no better way to start a half than, right. um, you know, taking that thing. And, man, if he didn't get tripped up, he's in the half. Yeah. You know, I know he's devastated <laughs> about it. But, um, fortunately, the offense punched that thing in, gets, you know, gets seven. And then, um, and, and then we listen, we you know, we got the lead. So, you know, we come back and get the lead. 17 16 so everything we were doing was moving in the right direction but I think it all starts with Dallas's return and then everybody catching that energy yeah no doubt I mean it's always huge when you start you know at the 18 yard line inside the (laughs) red zone on the first drive of the third quarter all right let's head to the fan questions for interim head coach Jeff Saturday he's with us tonight on Colts Roundtable live on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan if you have a question for coach and uh, the fellas later on in the show Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights tweeted in tonight using hashtag Colts roundtable let's go down to pete uh jeff he's asking how have you helped bernard ryman grow at left tackle since you've been here and how did he grade out against the steelers well i think that um you know for bernie as a whole i think he was you know just getting getting you know more and more reps at it is is, as a player using your techniques and fundamentals that we coach he's gonna he's gonna um he's gonna get better kind of naturally through that progression but um, I think I think being demanding of him, holding him accountable to his sets, um, you know how he's playing, his hat placement, his hands placement, all the different things that you have to stress on an offensive lineman uh, in big moments. I, I think is is extremely valuable, and we've really driven uh, those points home to him. He, he does a great job of receiving coaching and criticism, uh, and comes to work every day. Uh, but I've been I've been very impressed with his mindset, his toughness, the kid wants to be good he mm-hmm. wants to work at his craft and I appreciate that and anybody anytime anybody wants to be coached uh he, he has he has a a, a um, an extremely high upside from an athleticism and strength per, um, kind of projection and so when you look at him as a player man I think the I think the sky's the limit he just has to continue to get better on mm-hmm. those techniques and fundamentals again he hadn't played much yeah. you know football in reality but he's getting better every week and I'm proud of him all right Keith's question is up next uh, he's asking what happened on the fumble between Ryan and Taylor. I think he's talking about that that mesh point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we went back and and um, you know from a uh, from a handoff perspective, it looked like you know Ryan was reaching a little bit. JT was kind of up a little bit, and again, one of those things that most likely won't happen the rest of their careers, right? I yeah. mean, it's 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 that much. You know, when you talk about things that happen that you're just right. inexplicable. That's one of them. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I and just to tell you how surprised I was watching it when I because I'm watching the line mm-hmm. and I see the hole open up and I'm like it's touchdown. And then I look back. I'm not even looking at Matt. 
to see, and I can't find the ball, and all of a sudden I see them a scrum between he and and Watt. I think it was mm-hmm. battling for the ball, but that just you know you you I never am watching that mesh, and so it's so unfortunate those two guys uh, again though man boils down to execution and and you know however we have to get it fixed those are the things that are happening at inopportune times that cost you ball games um and again two guys that you're betting the house on right and 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 uh just just unfortunate uh circumstance and you know we got to be cleaner i mean you're talking about a guy's played 15 i mean how many That's times right. has matt ryan handed the football off in his career and jonathan taylor since 2017 in wisconsin probably has a thousand carries. That's right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just inexplicable, right? Like you, you look at it, and you just shake your head and go, "Man," and, and what? A, I mean, what a time that you know that you're just you just sit back and go, "Golly," right. I mean, you know. But but uh, those guys will get it right, and and as disappointing as it is, we got to learn from it and and get better. All right, Dave's question is up next. We got time for a couple more, Coach. Um, Dave's asking how much of our lack of a vertical passing game is hurting us right now on offense. Yeah, listen, there, there's no hiding from it. We haven't been nearly as, as good at that as we needed to. We had one good ball up to um, Pittman, you know, late in the game on, yeah. the, on the post route that he went up and got. We had a shot to Alec that he need, you know, we need to make that catch on the side, uh, on the sideline. Um, but, you know, the, the, the issue for us is, you know, it has to be a balance, right? Before, as the season was progressing, we weren't protecting very well, and so the ball had to come out a little bit quicker. And now, as our line is getting better, kind of each and every week, it's how much, you know, how long can we hold it to get the ball down the field, what the receiver's routes are, and the timing of those throws. Um, but <clears throat> we have to be we have to be better at taking those shots and making the most of our shots. And again, uh, like I tell all the guys, you may only get one a game you know, going through the list of receivers and, and tight ends that we have who can be out there. But when you get the one, it's got to be an explosive. Mm-hmm. And so we have to continue to work on it. But there's no doubt with, with lack of vertical threat, defenses walk down. And that's really what Pittsburgh did early in the game is they walked their safeties down. It becomes hard to tell the difference between four and two and who's the force player, which means who's helping in the run game. All of those things are because you're not challenging downfield. Uh, and so we, we have to be able to meet that challenge. No doubt about that. All right, Coach. Lastly, Dallas, uh, they're up next. They're 8-3. and three. They've won four of their last five. Really impressive win for them last time out on Thanksgiving. They beat the Giants at home. When you turn on the tape for Dallas, what kind of stands out to you on film? Very impressive team so far. Oh, no doubt. Uh, you know, I, I think I said it earlier today at a press conference. I mean, this is uh, they and the Eagles are probably the two best teams in the in the NFC, and we face them two out of three weeks. And um, but you know, th- this team is you know they, they're they're loaded. I mean, offensively, uh, they have two really good backs in Pollard and Elliott who can play ground and pound. They have a, a good offensive line that wants to be physical, and then they got C.D. Lamb. They got Galvin. I mean, you know, tight ends galore that can that, uh, that can make you know make plays, and so uh, this is an explosive offense. I think they might be that since Dak is back. I'm pretty sure they're the number one offense in the league. Um, so we'll have our work cut out for us and trying to slow those guys down. And then the defense is built to play with a lead, right, which they do very often. I mean, these guys, there's there's four or five excellent pass rushers that, that's obviously led by Micah Parsons, who's mm-hmm. probably the defensive player of the year. 
Yeah. And this guy continues to make play after play. Then you look at Diggs on the back end, opportunistic corners and safeties who make uh, big plays. Dan Quinn has that defense just ripping. And so uh, very, very explosive team on both sides of the ball. Uh, and, and, again, one of those games you know you're going to go in and score points. And so, you know, we've struggled with that this year. We've got to be better at it. Um, and, and you're looking down, you know, you're looking at a team that you know you're going to have to go put up points. And so uh, the challenge is before us. We've got to go meet it and uh, – Hopefully our defense can get us a couple stops, keep us in, and let, let's uh, let's let the offense kind of do our part to to keep our team in it. Right. But this is a heck of a ball club that we're going to go up against for sure. Jeff, I know it's a short week. Appreciate the time on a Tuesday, which is normally a Monday, and everything's kind of off kilter playing last night. So really appreciate the time, and uh, best of luck this week, and we'll talk to you later in the week getting ready for Dallas. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you. That's our conversation this week with interim head coach Jeff Saturday, a part of Colts Roundtable Live tonight, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Save at home on monthly bills when you can serve water and energy. For money-saving tips, visit citizensenergygroup.com. When we come back, we'll welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. We'll go over the tale of the tape and discuss what the film showed as the Colts came up short against the Steve to drop back to 4-7-1 and one on the season. We're coming back with that in just a moment. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor. Welcome back. Colts Roundtable Live returns segment number two tonight on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It's presented by Citizens Energy Group. How to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. My thanks again to Jeff Saturday for joining the show, as he always does in segment number one. Tonight's show is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. And Pick 6, presented by Caesar Sportsbook, is free to play all season long. Answer six predictive questions about the game every week for a chance to win great Colts prizes. Must be 21 or older to play. Again, I'm Matt Taylor. It's time to welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights to the show tonight. Joe and Rick, welcome as always. Joe, how was your Thanksgiving with family? How was your weekend uh, breaking bread and uh, watching a lot of football, culminating in Monday Night Football last night? Oh, it was great. Spent some time in the region with my in-laws, and to your good there point, you go. a lot of food, a lot of football. Now, I married into the family that they run 5Ks on holidays, so we did get up early and ran the pumpkin <laughs> plod, but that made me feel less guilty, Coach, than uh, when I had about eight pieces of pie that Thanksgiving <laughs> evening. Man, running a 5K, that, that's doing it right there, Joe. Well done. Tip of the cap to you, fella. No wonder you're so skinny post-NFL uh, career. There you go. I used to be I used to be forced to practice on Thanksgiving when I was in the NFL. Now I'm forced to run races by my wife. How about that? I love it. I love it. And Rick, I know that uh, you had multiple get-togethers on Thanksgiving. We did we had multiple uh, multiple get-togethers Thursday night, uh, Saturday night. I did get my motorcycle ride in Thursday afternoon, like I promised you on Wednesday. Um, we had a, we took it easy on Miss Sherry. We gave her a, a year off. We actually went with a Bob Evans uh, dinner for ten, which was fantastic. That's doing it right there. Hey, I think I think we ate for five days off it, so I think it was well worth it. Work and work so, smarter, not harder. That's what I say, man. Well <laughs> that's done. Exactly right. So yeah, we we did really well. We really had a good a good weekend and. Yeah. Until last night, we did really well. <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt about it. We're here to break it down. Colts fall to the Steelers. All right, Joe, it's time now for your tale of the tape. When you watch the film again today, Joe, what happened? Why did the Colts come up short again in another one-score game? You know, it seems like a broken record, Matt, but it's kind of – last night I felt like really it was kind of a microcosm of how the season's been. 
you don't get to 20 points in the scoreboard. And we talked about, you know, pregame. When the Colts score 20 or more, they got three wins and one tie. But you didn't get to 20. You were minus two turnover, struggle offensively. You fell down early by double digits, and then you're battling uphill with low margin for error. And I really felt like some positive steps that we had made in the Vegas game and in the first part of the Philly game under Jeff, we really kind of regressed back to the mean. And clearly, you know, issues in the pass game, protection, you know, the ball coming out on time, accuracy, and that lack of a downfield passing game. I just felt like as the game went on, you know, we had to take a shot, we had to stretch them deep, and we never did. And Pittsburgh really seemed to get comfortable. And then I think on the defensive side, it wasn't our best game defensively. But I felt like really for the first time this year, there might have been a little bit of hangover from the offense to the defense. And what I mean by that is, you know, the defense is going out there, they're playing like their hair's on fire, but it's a three and out, back on the field, three and out, back on the field, turnover, back on the field. And obviously there's the physical toll that you're not as well rested as a defense, but let's be real, there's a mental, there's an emotional toll that you kind of want the offense to carry their weight. And coach can probably speak on this more, but I felt like the defense, you know, might have just been a little bit downtrodden because of the offense. I'm not going to say they're, you know, upset, you know, pissed off, whatever, but you just don't have the same juice when your offense isn't equally carrying that bucket of water. And I've been on teams when I felt that. I felt like that watching the game last night. Yeah, you know, this one was really, really hard for me to take. You know, uh, Philadelphia was gut-wrenching, you know, losing a tight game to a really good team. Um, this one, I felt like that this was not only winnable, that we should win it. You know, to me, losing to the 3-7 and seven Steelers, 28th in scoring, 26th yeah. in points given up, to me was really devastating, not just for what happened to us on prime time in a game that we needed to win, but really it puts the season uh, on life supports, to tell you the truth. There's, there isn't any question about it. And it's, you know, Joe kind of mentioned it. I look at it a little different way, but – you know, to me, it's it's been basically a 12-game narrative. I mean, you know, we start terribly. Um, you know, we started just in, in, in reverse on offense. And, you know, defensively, we were hanging in there. But because they were able to run the ball and because Pickett got going early, I think that's huge psychologically, particularly with a young quarterback, because they came in here not confident, but they were able to gain a high degree of confidence you know, right off of the bat. So, again, it was a, it was another really, really bad start. Um, you know, I mean, you know, the half, it, it's, it, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, it's 232 yards to 71, 16 to 13. And really, if Pickett throws the ball accurately to Pickens there in the red zone at the end there, it's, it's really 20 to 3. So, you know, they definitely dominated that one. And then when it came down to it, and this is the other, this is the other narrative in the in the twelve uh, in the twelve game season, is at crunch time we can't finish. You know we give up as good as good as we play a lot, but this is now the third time in five weeks that somebody's able to drive it with the game on the line, seventy five yards, aided by a stupid penalty, but in the end they drive seventy five yards get the seven you know get the touchdown and then add the two point which was huge yeah. we said that at the time Matt, yeah. because mm-hmm. that made it now you had to score a touchdown to, to tie, tie yeah. you know and then on offense you know we're driving you know but basically we get sacked we had to me the terrible game management from that standpoint 
and then just not playing technically. And you know that again, that scenario that that third and <laughs> that third and two was crazy, and that's game management right there to me. You know, and in the end, I mean, you just have to give it to Tomlin and the Steelers. They were, you know, they were better prepared coming in, and they ended up getting out of there with a with a with a win. I, I think if there's anything to be gained from this, and and I hate to look at it this way, but I I think I have to, is if there's a positive in this, I think the Steeler game yesterday was a real reality check on this football team. I think. Were we to slop around and get a couple victories over bad teams, there would be a tendency to, I think, come to some real false conclusions of where we are. You know, we're a long way off in a lot of spots. This is not a team that, you know, just takes a tweak here or there. Your record at this point in time, your statistics basically tell the tale of who you are. And in my opinion, this team is going to take a gigantic makeover to get back in contention. So I guess if there's a if there's a positive in losing a game like this, it's that it is a reality check and it forces you to look at your team very critically as to where we really are. Yeah, that's definitely the reality of the situation. At four, seven and one, the Colts have lost now five of the last six and come up short against a team that they probably should have beat. You know, another team that was struggling and you got them at home and you still can't close them out in the fourth quarter celebrate with the free app at b-dubs when the colts get a defensive takeaway that's valid at participating indianapolis locations free appetizer includes anything up to 13 dollars 49 value on the bar food menu all right that's the tale of the tape here on colts roundtable live again with rick venturi and joe Wrights. i'm matt taylor when we come back we're going to discuss more of the realities of this season some burning questions surrounding this team after 12 games, 4-7-1. and one. The playoffs are looking more and more difficult to make with every passing week. We'll talk about the reality of the season when we come back here on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan Colts Roundtable Live back in just a moment. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Hey, we're back again. Colts Roundtable Live is presented tonight by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips as always, citizensenergygroup.com. This message also brought to you by Meyer, the official super center of the Indianapolis Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. I'm Matt Taylor back on Colts Roundtable Live tonight with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights and as promised, we're going to talk about some burning questions as the Colts sit 4-7-1 and one on the season. They're currently in 10th place in the AFC playoff standings. And as you look ahead at the schedule, they're now on the road for three of their next four, playing four teams currently in the playoff field. So let's talk about some burning questions on the reality of this Colts team. Five games to play. The Cowboys are up next on the road. Sunday night football, they're 8-3. and three. So the first burning question, Joe, I'll pose it to you. For the eighth time this season, the Colts failed to reach 20 points in a game on Monday night, 17 points. Uh, the run designs for Jonathan Taylor, they're almost all between the tackles. We've talked about this. The rhythm on offense, it's hard to find outside of uh, end of halves or the end of game situations, you know, sort of those two-minute drills. So the burning question is, Joe, this Colts offense at this point in the season, it's just it's too simple and it needs an overhaul in the offseason like Rick alluded to in segment number one. What do you say to that burning question on the offense through 12 games? 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think it needs an overhaul really in two categories. One, you know, personnel and then two, schematically. And when you look at personnel, you know, you just think, do we have enough dynamic playmakers on offense? Is our offensive line what we need it to be? And I, I mean, it starts with the quarterback. This is a quarterback-driven league. And I think when you watch the game last night and rewatch it this morning, you know, Pickett was able to get out of the pocket dynamically. He hurt us with his legs. And more importantly, he keeps you honest in that aspect, running for first downs, being able to elude a rush when all of a sudden, you know, a defensive end takes an inside route and all of a sudden he scampers around the edge and picks up the first down. We just don't have that at the quarterback position. I think when you think about the modern NFL, you know, outside of Tom Brady, who's been doing it at a high level but is struggling this year, almost every quarterback really has that ability to get you with his legs. You know, and Matt Ryan doesn't have that. I think we've seen that as the season's gone on. You know, the pocket's gotten smaller, condensed. He seems less and less comfortable, you know, and not able to deliver the ball and really get the ball downfield. You know, all of our passes were, you know, seven yards and in front. We never stretched the field offensively. So I think that was the biggest difference when I watched it. And then again, you know, schematically, you know, I think, you know, Coach and I have talked about it. We just seem just behind in the run game, just very vanilla, just to line up and say, hey, we're going to move Cam Hayward back and we're going to move Watt back and we're going to move these 300-pound beasts back just by our sheer will. We got to get better schematically and open up more lanes for Jonathan Taylor. He had 86 last night on 20 carries and you know his lone mistake was that fumble, which rewatched and I think was more on him. But, you know, it just when I watch the rest of the NFL and then I watch our Colts teams, it just uh, it, it's disappointing offensively just really where we're at and the lack of improvement in my mind from game one you know, to game uh, 12 last night. Yeah, I think Joe is right on this one. <clears throat> and Joe and I have discussed this on this show and on the pregame show you know, several times. Um, and I do believe that it is a combination of scheme in one sense and it's also a combination of some liabilities on offense. I, I think Joe chronicled them. You know, I think it starts at quarterback. I think this is an era of movement, of movement quarterbacks. I think, you know, uh, Pickett is a rookie who has had his struggles, but he gives them hope. I mean, he gives them hope. He looked very, very good yesterday. He got off to a good start. He never turned it over, made some plays. And so I think you've got to look in that direction. Um, you obviously have to shore up your offensive line. I think dynamic players, again, is an issue. You know, all you have to do, again, I said that record and statistics at this point define you. You know, at this point, Matt, 30th, 15.8, yeah. you know, in scoring and here may be the worst thing, number 32 in giveaways. So, you know, if, you, if you're if you giving it away last in the league and you're scoring almost last in the league, you know, you're not going to do very well. And the things that I see, I see three major issues, and, and one starts with scheme on the running game. I totally believe this. You cannot survive the way the defenses are evolving with inside zone alone. And Joe just, Joe just said it. I mean, you can't be a vanilla team we have zero creativity and if anything we've gone backwards on it I mean we and 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 to me it is a waste of a great runner I mean that's what's so mind-boggling about it and we hired a guy that technically is a line guy and hasn't had impact one you know I you know number two and I think this goes with dynamic players you know, and, and, you know, Pierce will show it, and then he disappears. He's not even used 
And so I think, you know, when you saw Pittsburgh, when they went into their man-to-man schemes, like on third down, and, you know, I think we were three for 12, there was no separation. I mean, they stuffed us across the board. Really, the only guy who really was gaining separation on his own uh, was Jelani Woods, and that is encouraging because he looks like maybe one guy that looks like he can win some big-time one-on-one battles. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you go back to the quarterback, and I'm not going to belabor it, but you've got an immobile quarterback who who really can't move very well. And then you have serious protection issues, and some of those are scheme. I mean, we, you know, and Joe can talk about this, we have had blitz coordination problems, you know, since day one. I mean, free blitzers off the edge, walk it up, and then we have a severe issue at left tackle. We have it at right guard, too, but it, at left tackle, it's so dramatic. You know, and when the game was on the line, <clears throat> we we protected better. I thought Braden Smith did a great job on, lot, on the right yeah. side. yeah. Great job, to be honest with you. You look at him play after play. But when it was crunch time on the left side, you know, we get a sack by Highsmith, and then on the last play of the game, they do what I would do every day. They just crunch the pocket. They crunch Dryman, and he tried to escape to the outside, and the tackle compensated, looped out there. He can't move, and all of a sudden they're, you're doubled in the back end, and, and there's really nothing there. So, again, this is this is where I say this is a major – uh, makeover, and I think it's combination makeover, uh, personnel-wise and scheme-wise. That's Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor. Joe Wright's along as well. This is Colts Roundtable Live, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We're with you every Monday night, or in this case, Tuesday night, following Monday Night Football for the Colts, 6-7. to seven. Again, here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 12 games in, we're talking about burning questions Joe, I want to scroll down to our, our second burning question and, and just talk about the effect of, of Jeff Saturday. On Monday night, another poor start. Uh, they didn't complete their first pass until about the seven-minute mark of the second quarter. No yards in the first quarter. Uh, the Colts did find some life in the third quarter but couldn't close it out there in the fourth quarter. So, uh, Joe, to you, the burning question here is there was no early game spark for the Colts like we saw against Las Vegas and Philadelphia. It was another slow start that's been consistent with this team for much of the 2022 season is is the newness of an interim coach wearing off that's the burning question surrounding slow starts and the lack of finish well i, I think there's a natural bump and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago whenever there's a change and especially with saturday his energy his enthusiasm his juice but at the end of the day you know matt it, it reverts back to the mean in terms of your personnel, your X's and O's, and your execution. And Bruce Arians used to talk about that in-game. He'd say, hey, you know, snot bubbles and tears are great, but after the first drive, it comes down to X's and O's and who's going to make plays. And and I think on a grander scale, we're feeling that in terms of how the game ended in Philly and then leading up to the disappointment last night. Was there a hangover from a game against a team with the best record in the NFL you should have beat? Probably. Could we have been overconfident? I'd like to think no, but I also think that we weren't as prepared emotionally as Pittsburgh was coming into that game. And maybe it's because we gave the game against Philly. Maybe it's because it's a 4-7 and seven team, not a 10-1 and one team coming on. But that was disappointing to me that I felt like the team wasn't ready emotionally. And then offensively, just the same issues. When you, when you throw a pick on your first drive and then you have two three and outs again, boom, 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 boom. It's just it was the same old story in terms of being down 10, mm-hmm. and then now you have urgency and you're fighting and you're clawing back. So I, I think 
obviously it was the most disappointing game of Jeff's three-game tenure. And now it's about looking inward. It's about looking outward and figuring out how can we try to right the ship and get some wins and just play better football and execute at a higher level over these last five games of the season. Yeah, you know, I, I thought, you know, when you know, and I said this, um, and, and Joe and I talked about this on that pregame when, when he took over. And I and I said if you if you t- if you look at interim head coaches' records overall, they're not very good for obvious reasons. But normally they jump start it. Normally the best performance is the first one. And you know when right. Jim decided to bring uh, Saturday in, he wasn't bringing in a scientist. Now he wasn't bringing in a football you know, conditioned guy that really knows in-depth NFL football, not surface NFL football. And so, you know, what happens is in time now, uh, this, this is not a developmental league. This is not a developmental league for both players and coaches. And to me, see, over the long haul, you, can, you, you get a long way cheerleading in the beginning. I mean, you can, you can do all that stuff early and that'll that'll help you emotionally but then in the end here here's to me the three things that a head coach a non-play calling head coach is responsible for and you can evaluate this Sunday on how that turned out number one a head coach is responsible for the big picture tactically and emotionally having his team ready to start the game because you have in this league it's so important to start the game and set the tone and then, of course, finish the game. That, those are the two biggest issues. But a head coach is responsible for that emotional start to the game. Number two, and this is things I wonder about, is an NFL head coach, even though he may not be a play caller, has to have enough in-depth X and O, X and o knowledge to push the right buttons and fix the problems, you know, whether it's schematically or technically. He may not have to take you from A to Z, but he's got to be the guy that can fix problems overall. And then the third thing, and one of the most important things and one of the most underrated things, you know, is game management in the game, feeling the tone of the game whether you go for a field goal or go for it on fourth down. And then, of course, late in the game, and the NFL is a one-possession game. We know that week in and week out. And so game management in the last four to five minutes is really, uh, really superb. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought on all three of those, uh, you're not getting a very good grade this week. All right, that's a look at some of the burning questions surrounding this Colts team again after 12 games. That's Rick Venturi, Joe Wright's along as well. I'm Matt Taylor. Coming up, we're going to take your Twitter questions. The mailbag's open. Send them in. Use hashtag Colts Roundtable on Twitter, and we'll take a few of those and the best ones when we come back. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live with you until 7 tonight on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Roundtable Live, a full hour dedicated to Colts football. Here again is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live tonight, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor with you, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan, with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. And tonight's show is also brought to you by Everstream, Indy's business-only fiber network, faster fiber 
and better business. We're taking your Twitter questions. Use hashtag Colts Roundtable to submit your questions tonight and to interact with us on the show. Let's go straight to Matt's question. Uh, Rick, I know you kind of talked about this on the last segment there on the burning questions. Matt's asking, what was your take on the management at the end of the game on the last drive on offense for the Colts? Why did we not take timeouts to save time and scheme up better plays on third and fourth down, Jeff Saturday talked about that um, in segment number one. He also broached the topic with the media today in his press conference. He would like to have some of those play calls back. He'd like to take a timeout going into that third and two call. Uh, but, Rick, your overall thoughts on the game management there, under four minutes to go on offense for the Colts. Yeah, not very good. There isn't any question about it. And, you know, and I'm glad that he admitted it. The last thing you want to do is try to spin that. You know, I thought that moving the ball sometimes without the tight end keeps the defense or without a timeout at some point does keep the defense on its heels. It really does, you know, and, and prevents substitution, gets them locked in. I, I wasn't I wasn't upset with that. Where I where I got upset, where I thought the game was really given away and t- from a time management standpoint was on the third and two. After the scramble you know, and we lost a lot of time in between. But after the scramble, there was still, with three timeouts, there's still plenty of time. And at third and two there, that's when you take the timeout. Because in that situation, at third and two, you want to make sure now that you have your best calls. And with three timeouts, you it, it really, the rest of it doesn't matter. You have to have your best call available right now. And we ended up letting the clock run, and then we were actually in a hurry and we made a hurried call that was really a giveaway. They came with a, a pirate versus an inside zone on an open formation, which really, I mean, you'd want to have that call back 10 times out of 10. So, you know, that was a, that was a big failure yesterday. All right, let's go to Nick's question. Joe, did Jelani Woods show us he can be the matchup nightmare we thought he was going to be all season? I think so. And when you drafted Jelani Woods, you know, Coach, I remember we talked about this in the draft show. You know, he has unique traits and really freakish athletic ability. And with eight catches last night, one, his natural size and frame just creates separation with how big he is. But he also has some pretty good wiggle for somebody with that size. And really in the second half, it kind of became the Jelani Woods show. And he was the one guy that was getting open. And what mm-hmm. I like about him, Matt, is as a rookie – He's not afraid to make the tough catches, and he's got stronger hands than I thought. And so he's somebody that I think really you can trust more in a tight window. He's got that big body. Go box him out there in the red zone to make the catch. And clearly red zone is an issue. We're 30th in the league. We've struggled. He could be a unique game changer in the red zone for us. Coach, what uh, what are your thoughts on big Jelani Woods? Yeah, and we talked about red zone extensively in the pregame, and I thought we did two things that we kind of talked about. I think – you know, number one, after the return, we actually scored twice in the red zone. And the first thing we did is we established Jonathan. We established the running game on the off-tackle zone plays, you know, that were very effective. And then we established the outside fade game. And those are two things I think you've got to have. You've got to have your best runs, and you've got to have an outside fade game. We inevitably hit Pittman, but I do think that Jelani down there is going to be the toughest matchup because he's so big and athletic. And Edmonds just had to go through him on the P.I. I mean, the P.I. then set up the other fade. But I think he's really going to give us that. I think he's a real matchup problem at four six one. Uh, he can separate. And he's not there yet, but he potentially is a very, very good blocker. I, I mm-hmm. saw that 
in uh, in the spring. So yeah, I think we really have one there. I think you know, I think him being out there for three weeks has really hurt us. Yeah, he had that shoulder injury, but uh, last night had the second most receptions in a single game by a Colts rookie tight end since your guy Rick Charles Arbuckle back in 1992, and then the most receiving yards by a Colts rookie tight end since Dallas Clark way back in 2003. So well done, Jelani Woods. 98 yards receiving on Monday Night Football in front of a national audience. Colts Roundtable Live tonight's brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts. When we come back, we'll close out the show. We'll take a look at the AFC playoff picture. Where do the Colts factor in on that? And the upcoming game against the Cowboys on Sunday Monday night football and Big D, uh, Dallas 8-3 and three on the season. We'll close it out when we come back. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For more Colts breakdown, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. We are back. Final time on Colts Roundtable Live tonight with you until 7. It's presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. And get your forecast first, as always, with CBS4. Get the weather updates anytime with the CBS4 Indy app. You can customize it. You only get the alerts that you want. Search CBS4 Indy in the App Store or in Google Play with uh, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights for the final time. I'm Matt Taylor. AFC playoff picture looks like this. The Chiefs are 9-2. and two. Dolphins at 8-3 and three with the number two spot. Titans at 7-4. and four. Ravens at number four at 7-4. and four. Your wild card teams if the playoff started today, the Bills at 8-3, and three, the Bengals at 7-4, and four, and the Jets would be the number seven seed also at 7-4 and four record-wise. The Colts currently sit in 10th place at a record of 4-7-1. and one. Cowboys are up next, and if the playoff started today in the NFC, they would be a wild-card team because they're in the NFC East with the Eagles, who are just tearing it up. So they would be a very, very good wild-card team at 8-3, and three, coming off a uh, an impressive Thanksgiving win over the Giants at home, and they have won four of their last five, and playing like one of the best teams in the NFL at the moment. So, uh, Rick and Joe, your final thoughts, closing arguments here, uh, wrapping up the Colts-Steelers game on Monday night. And, Joe, a look ahead to the challenge in week number 13 against the Dallas Cowboys. The floor is yours to wrap up. Yeah, it's going to be a big challenge. That's a good football team, really played well the last two weeks, putting up over 450 yards of offense there. We're on a short week. We're going down to their stadium. You know, I do think a short week, it's nice. You get back out there as soon as you can. And hopefully, you know, if I'm a Dallas player, I'm watching that game last night, and maybe they're relaxed a little bit in terms of thinking, well, we're just going to wake up and we're going to roll over these guys. So hopefully the Colts can have that underdog mentality and get off the mat. Now, I will say, Matt, I got a bad memory down there. The last time the Colts played in Dallas, 2014, I was on the team. We lost 42-7, to okay? So let's erase that. Let, let, let's recorrect that and have a lot yeah. better performance than the last time we were down there in Jerry World. No doubt about that. Yeah, I remember Tony Romo had a big game that day on offense for the Cowboys. What's the quick skinny on Dallas going into this game, Rick? As I said, they're playing like one of the best teams in the NFL right now. Yeah, they are. And you know what? It just just lately, the last few years, it seems like, though, that kind of team brings out the best in the Colts, whether it's, you know, the Eagles or the Chiefs or the Bills last year. It seems like we play almost better without a lot of pressure as an underdog. They're very good. They're 8-3. and three. Uh, They're very well coached this year. 
you know, they're they're number seven uh, in scoring at 25-4, and uh, number two in scoring defense in 17-0. So, you know, number one in sacks, I mean, they can get after the passer. I mean, they got some areas you can get after, but they're really, you know, they're talented. Elliott and Pollard, Pollard has just turned into a beast, and, and C.D. Lamb is obviously one of the premier receivers. And then on defense, they got some very, very fast guys, and Parsons, you know, is probably, you know, probably arguably the leading, the leads-on favorite to be the defensive player of the year. So as Joe said, mm-hmm. it's going to be a real challenge. Uh, we'll get into it. I, I know Mike McCarthy really well. I worked against him for three seasons. So we'll get into it. We'll get into a good blueprint on Wednesday on how to beat these Cowboys. For sure. All right, that's all the time we've got tonight. Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, fellas, great job as always laying out the reality of this Colts team after 12 games. My thanks again to interim head coach Jeff Saturday, who joined in the first segment. If you missed any of the show tonight, we're going to post it here shortly on Colts.com, the Colts Audio Network, anywhere that you download your podcasts. And, of course, we've got you covered on the Colts all week long, as we always do, the Colts Daily Updates uh, this week, Wednesday and Thursday. The official podcast, that's going to drop tomorrow this week, Inside Football, uh, with Rick Venturi, as he just said, his blueprints to beat the uh, Cowboys. That's going to drop on Thursday. Check all of that out. Again, Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and the Colts audio network, wherever you download your podcasts. ESPN Radio is coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody, to Colts Roundtable Live here on the home of the Colts. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Good night. <laughs>